welcome. You've got mail. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Tech Stream. My name is Seth Everett. His name is Shelly Palmer. One day we're going to switch. He's going to be Seth Everett. I'll be Shelly Palmer. But until then, uh, we are here with another episode of Tech Stream. And, you know, I try to have some brevity as we start because this has been a real trying last couple of weeks. It has been really, really difficult. Uh, there have been multiple mass shootings at the time of this recording. And there could be more mass shootings in the time it takes from the time we record to when this episode gets posted. That's how scary uh, a time th th that it is. And we're not here to talk about guns. That's not the subject uh, that we, we were going to get. But in most of these circumstances, social media plays a role. In some of these instances, Shelley, the, 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 the villainous uh, gunman uh, and they've all been men. So so in this circumstances, they're gunmen. They've been posting online what they're about to do. Yeah. And what my argument has always been in, I don't know how to do it, but if I go on Facebook and write, I'm about to shoot my grandmother, there should be police at my house. Yes, there should be. But we don't live in a state like that we don't live in a police state we don't live in a totalitarian environment we don't live in a place where the government can tell you what to say or do and of course the argument is you can't cry fire in a crowded theater and there is definitely a line when you're threatening bodily harm and it's a credible threat yeah people should go and stop that and i think everyone agrees people should but go how and do stop you monitor that. it there's so many posts there have been millions of posts in the time right. we started this podcast that's right. And as you and I have talked about so often on this podcast, AI is not up to the task. You're not going to be able to understand the context. And human beings are amazing, Seth. When you start understanding and people don't want you to understand, they invent code words and they invent code phrases. And there are uh, I'm I'm on one of the boards at the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, and it is amazing the dialect and dialogue that goes on and the lexicon of things that you think are just banal, ordinary statements that are code to a subgroup of individuals uh, who are hateful. Uh, so this is, it's pretty impressive. And those you can look for, you can look for those phrases. The thing is they keep changing them because they adapt like all things that are being hunted, they adapt. Here's the thing. I'd love to talk about the technology that is available for parents because the, the thing that's most disturbing and everything about the mass shootings in the last couple of weeks have been disturbing. There's nothing that's not disturbing about it. But one of the most disturbing things is that every one of those shooters was under the age of 21. These are kids. And they, they are responsible for their actions 100%. And I'm not one of the people who are going to get up here and say they're not responsible or it's video game violence or it's social right. media. You're, it's like, you're tried as an adult. But it's, it's, 
these people are responsible for the actions that the, their actions and end of story and what caused it it's going to be different for each individual um you know i'm not a mental health expert clearly you're not of right mind if you go in and kill people especially just willy-nilly shooting people you don't know this is pretty hardcore crazy as a parent and a grandparent i often wonder about how to parent in the 21st century and to grandparent in the 21st century. Because so much of the interaction that my children and grandchildren have and have had their whole lives has been online. And there are two different ways to look at this. You can monitor with intent to restrict and guide, and you can spy. Those are the two different ways that you can parent. So native to iOS and all of the Apple operating systems and native to Android are tools that you can use native, like just go into the settings, limit screen time. There are some for pay apps that are not very expensive, like NetNanny, that will allow you to, 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 to parent your kids. Okay, you can't use the phone between this hour and this hour. And for younger kids, that kind of monitoring, that kind of restriction, depending on the kind of parent you are, might be the right thing to do. Then there's a whole other layer of tools, some that are for parents and, you know, some that are for not parents. What I mean by that is there are, there are tools like Bark and MSpy and WebWatcher, which are legitimate parenting apps. And here you can pretty much see everything depending on what it is, which of these apps you're using and what level you decide to pay. And again, they're all between five and like 20 bucks a month, depending on what you want. There's family plans. I'm not shilling for any one of them, but you can look at SMS, like, you know, text messages and even deleted texts. You can get into the camera roll. You can look at the web history. You can, I mean, you literally can spy on your kid. Now I'm not advocating that in any way, but I, I can tell you from personal experience, one of my granddaughters, grade school, being really seriously bullied by her classmates. One little girl was particularly the instigator, and then they all sort of piled on. Now, if that was in real life, it wouldn't have been that hard to pick up, and it wouldn't have been hard for the teacher to sort of break up that kind of bullying or to stop it if it was in person. In person, they did what people used to do in small towns across the world when somebody was outcast, they shunned her. So she was just excluded from all the reindeer games, but online she was being bullied. And the only way that we found out about it was that she showed her mom, Hey, look at this text from so-and-so. And of course my daughter, her mother went, you know, into action, but you can't always do that. So if you need to understand the digital environment that your young child is in, call it, you're not supposed to really have a phone till you're over nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, I would say 30 years old, but that, you know, that's, everybody's got their own sense of when you need a cell phone and also where you live, right? Are you far enough away where mom needs to get to you or dad needs to get to you or your guardian needs to get to you? Are you old enough and responsible enough? Like it's, it's personal and unique for everybody. But if your child who call it sub 18 years old has a smartphone, has a tablet, and they're connected to the internet, they need to be guided. It's that simple.
and there are tools to do it. And the question is, are you, are you, you know, are you willing to do that as a parent and what well, kind of every, parent are every, you? every parent has to do it for themselves and we can't tell people how to no. parent, but what we can do is provide the, the information that these tools exist. You know, I'll tell you just, you know, you're in essence, you're, you're fortunate that your granddaughter was able to see uh, the negative texts and take it to her parent. Yeah. Um, my daughter, uh, I found out, um, has been talked smack about from people who are doing it in a private account. Oh, hard, harder to deal with. At, right. Because how do you know it? And then the person who told us because they follow the private account said, hey, they were saying some not nice things about a group of girls. And my daughter was one of them. But now if we say something, then there's a rat. And, yeah. you, you know, you have to worry about that. It's a very tangled web and there's no black or white solution to this. These tools do help. Um, the rule that I have, and this is just my rule, I'm not saying anybody that, that should, is I have their codes to their phones. Sure. I know the security code to their phones. And if I see something that is alarming in any way, I have the right to take it from them unannounced. So now let's play hypothetical, Seth. Sure. This is just you and me spitballing, you know. Well, I'm not saying I'm the right. I'm a. I'm an excellent parent. I'm. I'm just saying. This is, <laughs> you are. But, but I, this I, is. But this are. is how we've done it. And this. No, no. Let, the, but the here's the thing. Exists. Your kids, your kid, my kids and grandkids are all of an age. Well, I have adult children who I don't need to care, you know, I don't monitor. And then I have grandchildren ranging from 18 months to 13 years. And they're too young to fight back against everything you just said. They're my, the older granddaughter is 11 and 13. They have phones. Their mother has full rights as you have full rights to your daughter's uh, smartphone and and can get into you know and 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 she monitors them in a very responsible way when your kid is 16 to 18 or 19 or 20 years old none of that is possible i mean it gets harder exponentially harder with each year of age that they they ascend right because it's really hard to tell your 17 year old you want into their phone well, we'll see. It's, right you know, now, my, my oldest is 13. We'll see. So the, my point is, this needs to be a solid discussion, and there's some trust level, and it is super complicated. And so when someone says to me, I want to blame social media for what's gone on, yeah, it's like, I want to blame no one but the person who did the, right. the deed. But if you want to be in a position to stop it, then you've got to have a way to cross a line that none of us are comfortable crossing, right? It's not can AI, which, can, which it can't, can AI figure this out? Take that off the table. No, AI cannot, not in our current science. You, computers do not, computers, training sets and AI models, for, uh, the training sets for AI and the AI models that exist today are narrow focused and relatively stupid and are very special purpose. It can be set to recognize a face. It can be set to recognize that the coast is clear to make a turn. It can figure out 
Well, it, it's very narrow focused. It can it can go find phrases. It can find patterns. You could think of AI as as the best pattern matching. And if you think about it in context, just for one text stream second, imagine you had a spreadsheet that was 10 rows by 10 columns. And on that spreadsheet was a description of your business that you're a professional at, whether you're in the marketing business or you're in supply chain management, like just 10 rows and 10 columns, you're a teacher with students, doesn't make a difference what's in those 10 rows, doesn't make a difference what's in those 10 columns. Just imagine a spreadsheet with 10 rows and 10 columns about something you deeply, deeply understand. If you look at it, you will be able to tell me, for example, if you're a marketer, oh, look, that's a couple, double income, no kids. This person lives alone. This, uh, you'd be able to look at the data and you would get an intuitive understanding because human brains are amazing at pattern matching. You'd have an intuitive understanding of what you were looking at. And in fact, everybody who's ever looked at a spreadsheet or made a spreadsheet to do anything with, it could be something like I'm traveling and I want to have all my travel itineraries, but any spreadsheet you've ever made or looked at that's 10 by 10 or smaller, you instantly understand what you're looking at. But if that spreadsheet was 250 columns by 25 million rows, there's nothing a human being can do to understand the data. That's where AI comes in. That's where statistical machine learning comes in. It looks at massive amounts of data or in quotes, big data. And it finds patterns that we would find because we can't find them at that point. So if you could imagine arranging a spreadsheet with all of the patterns of human interaction, it's not 25, 250 columns by 25 million rows. No, it sounds like big brother. It's an infinite number of rows and an infinite number of columns and looking for those patterns, assuming you could find them, needle in a haystack, when you found them, what would you do with that information? There was a, there was a report on 9-11 that said we had the data, we, the data, the security agencies right. in the United States had the data to have stopped this. What they didn't have was a way to understand it. Right. In hindsight, they can say, well, this red flag, this red flag. And so what are the red flags technologically? And we don't have the technology to get there, which means that our best defense against sub 18 year old mass murderers, sub 21 year old, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sub 21 year old mass murderers is digital parenting at a level that we're not comfortable with. And that's a hard, that's hard, that's hard to say out loud, but it's really where, and I don't want the state doing it. I really don't. I don't want the government coming in and do that. That's, that's not a place I want to live. The tools are available. You want to understand what they are. I'll say them again, but the, the easy ones are the native on the phones. You could look at something like net nanny, go look at M spy web watcher bark, just go Google digital parenting or parental monitors or any of that stuff. And you can, you know, you, you, you learn about it. it. It's an uncomfortable place. I got to tell you, it is an uncomfortable place for someone who grew up in a completely free society where you basically say anything you want without consequence uh, of the government consequences. And, you know, only your, your friends will get mad at you if you say something stupid or, you know, you can, you definitely, there are consequences to what you say, but you're not going to jail for it generally. I, I, 
it's weird to talk about this, but these tools exist and parents need to make their own decisions. And we would be remiss on TechStream if we didn't cover the tech that is available right now to deal with this. What about the idea that there can be red flags? Can can a parent or a friend or or a teacher, can they flag social media accounts if they see something alarming? In the Facebook, case of these yep. these shooters, again, I'm trying to I'm trying to if we're not going to have the gun conversation, which we're not. No. What you know, there's a mental health crisis going on, and yeah. that's worldwide. That's not just an American thing. You know, what Seth, can we do so? Uh, there's a difference between what we can do and what we should do. And it's the difference between a dictatorship and a benevolent dictatorship and a democracy, right? These are different forms of government. We can argue that the dictatorship is going to be bad on its face. Why? Because we're forced to adhere to the worldview of one individual. You can argue that throughout history, that doesn't always work out for the peasantry and the proletariat. It always works out for the dictator until it doesn't. Um, then there's benevolent dictatorships where it's a wonderful human being is in charge and they're doing all the right stuff and people like the dictator and it's a benevolent society and that works. And there's good examples in history of that. And we've got the democratic experiment that is America. So there's that. We have the tools. We have the tools. We meaning the technology exists. I don't want to say we as in Shelley Palmer, Seth Everett, the technology exists to monitor every keystroke of every human being and you know how i know it google does it right every keystroke of every human being every right. place you go every everything you do online yep you, you talk about a nanny state you talk about big brother or george orwell in george orwell's worst nightmare on the craziest night of george orwell's life as he's penning 1984 and trying to figure out you know what <laughs> what a surveillance state right. really looks like he had not thought up Google or Facebook or yep. Amazon or Netflix or any big tech, right? True. So we know the tech exists. And and now it. the question use is... Put, use your superpowers for good. With great power comes great responsibility. Thank you, Spider-Man. Yeah. But the thing is, gathering data is not the same as turning data into action. And that's really important quickly. to remember that these are giant quickly. amounts of yeah. data. So making... Quickly. Yeah, making it actionable is a completely different thing than collecting it. You know, I think there's a big misunderstanding, Seth. This is a good, nice segue. I, I, it's a little, it is on topic. It's just a little bit of a, a, a weird twist. We all talk about data as if data is a thing. It isn't. Data is only powerful in the presence of other data. If I have all the telemetry data off the wind turbines and some, some wind farm somewhere, that does, doesn't do me any good. It's good for the person who's running the wind farm. Right. But that data, if I collect it, it has no value. Right? So data, like the just data means nothing. But if I'm creating an enriched Seth Everett profile, what you do, where you go, what you eat, what you buy, what you know, what you watch, what, you know, how are you, what's your browser history look like? If I'm creating an enriched profile of you, that becomes really valuable to somebody for something, mostly putting the right ad in front of you at the right time when you're most likely to buy something. 
But I could also use it to when you're in a frame of mind to make a decision to nudge you towards a decision I'd like you to make. It may not work, but I would have some confidence level. I'd have some mathematical way of saying, oh, you know, I'm 75% sure that Seth has a 62% chance of clicking on this. I wouldn't know you personally, and I would, it wouldn't be like a thing where I'm like thinking about you. It would just be the statistics that say this is what the propensities are for you to do the following. But to turn that into something from where we are there to Seth is about to commit a crime to go minority report, we're no, no, there is no tech like that. It, we cannot precognit, you know, right. precognitively, nobody, no, there's no tech that's going to say, you know, Seth is likely to do something really bad in the next 24 hours. Uh, well, I unless, say- you, unless you wrote what you said at the beginning of the podcast, which is I'm going to go shoot my grandmother, in which case you got a pretty good idea that right. the kid was thinking about shooting his grandmother. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, how, how Big Brother is watching you. Uh, CarPlay has this new feature where it knows what day of the week and what we do as a family. Yeah. So if it's like, like after we record this, we're recording this in the middle of the day. If I get into my car for whatever reason, my phone is going to suggest I go to the cleaners because I've done it yeah. enough. Yep. On Sundays, my phone will flash in the top right screen and the widget that I have will mm-hmm. say Chinese food. So, you know, what's great about that particular service from our friends at Apple, and I know you have an iPhone, so I know it's an iOS device. Apple, the company, has no idea about what that is. This is happening locally on your phone. And because of their privacy policies and because of the way they adhere to them, that stays local. Can you imagine how insane that would be if it were not? If that were just generally available and if they were to sell that information. Well, that's why like, I didn't I never understood Foursquare. I never understood Foursquare. You know, they're still around. No, I know they no, are. They are. They're located they are, and they sell location-based data to companies. That's what they do for a living. I know. I, I never understood why why people were so excited to tell me that they were getting pizza. I, I, I never understood that. I think. The social media phenomenon of the last, call it 15, 20 years, as we went from, we sort of evolved out of the my Friendster MySpace world into the Facebook world, right? And that's, that curve was interesting as we started to present ourselves in everyday life online, because that's what really happened, right? First, it was, look at me, look at me, look, 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 I'm so, you know, I'm doing this. And to this day, if you don't have a good Instagram picture of what you are doing last night, it didn't happen, <laughs> which it by itself is insane. Yeah. I was at a, I was at the Rangers game the other night and I didn't take a picture and everybody was like, oh, so you no, went to the you Rangers didn't, game didn't, and you didn't take a picture. <laughs> it's like, I've done an awful lot there. of things in the last six months and not taken a picture I and not it. posted because it. you know, I don't know that it's, first of all, I don't, I don't like to face brag. There are people who are, are, are getting killed in the Ukraine. There are people who've been landlocked for two years. Oh, look at me. I'm in Germany doing this. Oh, look at me. Yeah. I'm in France doing, I mean, you don't know. That's not what, what about that? Other than serving your own ego? What, what, what does that really do? I'm not trying to be an influencer. I'm not a 20 year old kid who's trying to pretend I'm something else. So there are lots of things I didn't take a picture of, but for the, for a large number of people in the world, 
It, you don't have a picture of it? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yep. And, you know, that, that is a recent phenomenon, as is the recent phenomenon of these people under the age of 21 doing unspeakable things. So I, I think we, we as a society have some choices to make, and I'm not advocating one style of parenting over the other, but I do know that a lot of parents and grandparents have been asking me and, and been distressed and distraught. First of all, you can't be a human being and not get misty and tearful when you think about what went on in Texas. I'm, I, 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 it's it's just, I, you, I mean, that could have been any one of us. That could have been any one of our kids, any one of our grandkids. It, it, it is oh. heart-wrenching. And so, of course, what, I, what happened immediately is people are like, can't you prevent it? Can I look at their phones? Can I do this? Can I? I was like, yeah, you can. The two questions are, should you? And if so, is it only because of what just happened that you're going to do this? Or are you going to create a workflow and process in your parenting that includes the digital monitoring of your children? Now, one of the things I, I like to tell PTA meetings back before uh, the pandemic, when I used to go to talk to parents about, and, you know, at schools at night, um, they used to say, look, when you taught your kid to cross the street, when they were really little, you grabbed their hand, you said, okay, we're going to look both ways. We're going to look both ways again, and we're going to walk purposefully, but we're not going to run. So we don't trip across the street. Did you do that once? And everybody shakes their head and goes, no, a hundred times. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I have an, an adult daughter has two, two daughters of her own. And we were standing on Madison Avenue a few months back. And as we were about to cross the street and as a joke, I grabbed her hand and she just looked at me and smiled. She laughed. She says, and she, she goes, something's never changed. It's like, yeah, it's an old habit. It's just, and I did it as a joke. I mean, I didn't do it. Cause I, you know, she's, she's, she's a grown up, but it's a, sure. I'm her, I'm her dad. Right. And she's my kid. So even though she's got kids of her own, it's just like, you don't do it once you do it a million times, countless number of times. Do you say to your child, the internet's a dangerous place, you know, be careful one time and then let them just go online forever no you would never do that it would no one in their right mind would let anybody under the age of 13 go browse the internet on their own to see what happens on the world wide web no so we don't have i don't think we have a lot of parents that have the, the digital parenting workflow and process in their lives because it hasn't really been necessary now you can make an argument that it is necessary. Yeah. And the question is, point. you can do it. Should you? And if you should, how will you do it? And I think these are conversations that parents should have amongst their, their themselves and their peers. And I think, you know, people should, this is a conversation everybody should have right now. Yep. I'm not advocating one way or the other. I have my own personal feelings about what I think should be done, but they're not important here because I'm, uh, I, we here at TechStream, our responsibility. Everybody needs an action plan. You need to decide how you're going to do it. And you should know the tech is on your side, but it's not a press a button, set it and forget it. Like there is no set it and forget it tech here. There is tech you can use if you want to use it, but it needs to be piloted or driven the same way you pilot a plane or drive a car. Like you're going to have to run this thing as a mom or a dad or a parent or a guardian and how you do it. That's up to you. Totally. Totally. All right. Uh, as we wrap, I have three words for you. Uh, just to make sure that everybody in our tech stream audience is still watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I have three words for you. Yeah. 
it's not a spoiler. I mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but he was in the commercial. So, it, like, you know, it, a little spoiler. Not, it's, not, it's, a, it's a baby, tiny, tiny baby spoiler. James Earl Jones. Hmm. All I can say. James I see. Earl Mother Effin Jones. I see. That was your that was your pet peeve. You said it had to go that had way. <laughs> or you were or you were or you were gonna boycott or something or right. you know go crazy. It's had Aiden to Christensen's body in the suit. That's fine. It's James Earl Jones. I wonder if the people at Disney slash Lucasfilm know that they didn't need to pay Hayden Christensen's quote. Like they were going to put a helmet on the guy and use James Earl Jones. Well, voice. I want to see. I, 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 I wonder. I mean, I'm just it's saying. Not over. It's not over yet, but so far he has not done the heavy lifting. Uh, it, it, it's it might be him. Uh, and I will say that uh, James Earl Jones sounds better in this than he did in Rogue One. He was well, great good. in Rogue One, but if you go back and watch the Vader scenes in Rogue One, he sounds like an old man. You know. There is technology. That's what I'm saying. They, there is technology that old and new, right? First of all, there's there's all kinds of good old fashioned signal processing that's been around since the beginning of the audio business, and now there's digital signal processing for the last thirty years. And um, there's AI that is particularly good at they, copying. Well, they're voices. doing it with Mark Hamill. They're doing it with Mark and, Hamill in um, in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. They did it with, and now they're saying that they're not going to cast young people anymore. Right. And I, I, there, there's a really good uh, uh, joke about well, that because yeah, you, look, have see, you have to see Obi-Wan Kenobi first. You can de-age and that, again, narrow purpose AI. It's got a very specific purpose. It's programmed to do a thing. It's, tra- it's, not programmed. it's trained to do a very specific thing and it does it well. And that's just getting better and better and better. Right. Um, and, Mo- and Vader in, in, in Rogue One is great. Don't, don't, don't misconstrue, but he sounds much better in this yeah like the, you can tell in the seven years or five years since rogue one they have upgraded the technology so i'll tell you what's Earl, interesting mf and jones yeah you know in our in our ces uh this year was all virtual and um i wanted to use a quote by carl sagan and of course carl's passed away now many years we synthesized and he had only ever written the thing down that I had wanted him to say. So we took still pictures and put them in a nice montage of stills oh, geez, really? and we synthesized his voice and it is indistinguishable That's from, amazing. from the real Carl Sagan. And when I say, That's how we're going to host tech stream after we're gone. I, I think so. I'm going by the, yeah, you give this a few more years. It's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, that's on YouTube. It's my, actually it's ShellyPalmer.com. You just type in the innovation series oh, wow. summit from this year. Uh, and you'll, you'll get to hear Carl Sagan read uh, a, a beautiful quote about uh, a very prescient quote of his. And it's long. It's a paragraph of, of Carl's writing that we brought to life use, using the same technology. So yeah, it's, so cool. it's here. And and yeah, uh, and James Jones is alive, but yes, but, but he but he's older than he was. Let's right. say when when he did the first, you know, in 1977 when he Correct. did the first Darth Vader, which is and now in the timeline of Obi Wan Kenobi, we're only ten years past that, so it is theoretically 1987. Supposedly, the Obi Wan Kenobi <laughs> takes place eight years before uh, A New Hope, 
which that's one of the biggest gripes. Again, this is not spoiler stuff, but one of the biggest gripes is that Ewan McGregor turns into Alec Guinness in eight years. That's got to be a hell of an eight years. You know, maybe they age differently in that side of the in a, <laughs> a long, long ago in a galaxy exactly. far, far away. Exactly. Right. You're right. I have that's that backwards. Right. It is before it's 10 years earlier than before. Right. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Luke and Leia are, are 10 year olds, basically. Yeah. yeah, they're kids. OK, I sorry. I just got that exact. Wow. Math. Not my thing. Joke. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but he um, then he should sound even younger, theoretically, <laughs> theoretically. But in Rogue <laughs> One, even... which is also right before A New Hope. Yeah, that's you know, like Rogue a minute One before, takes right? place, you know, six months before. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately the final scene of Rogue One goes literally right into A New Hope. I mean, you can marry the last scenes of Rogue One. And yes, that's what I said. It's like a minute before. That's what it, 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 it goes right yeah. into each other. So if you think about the timeline, Vader is there. But when he when Vader is talking to Krennic, um, you can you can hear the strain in his voice. He right. just he just sounds older. He just right. sounds older. No one says when you're watching that goes, oh, man, what's up with Darth Vader? No, no, no. You're, what you're saying is how amazing is it that however old James Earl Jones is, he's still doing Darth Vader. Well, yeah. in this, all of that is exposed. Fun fact, James Earl Jones is wildly dyslexic and must memorize each of his lines. Wow. Even when he's just doing voice, huh? Wow. It, wildly dyslexic. I was lucky enough to work with him uh, as voiceover talent for several clients years wow. and years ago. And we had to send the script in advance and we had to feed him lines. And, and if they, you know, if he could memorize them, he would. Otherwise, yeah. you just fed them to him because he could not read them off the paper. One of the greatest voices of all time, one of the greatest voice actors of all time. all time. I mean, distinctive, unbelievable. And what a, an, uh, one of the nicest human beings I've ever had in a recording studio, by the way, just anecdotally. Uh, him and John Cleese, two best friends. Oh, and you know who else was amazing? Just to drop names just for fun. Sure. Fred Gwynn. May he rest in peace. Oh, what an unbelievable. Because those, those guys, like they were like, actors, yeah. you, they really loved voice acting and, voice and acting. clients who had real money would hire them. And, and they'd come in the studio and, you know, we had all we could do to like, not act like idiots with these guys in the studio. It's like, okay, don't ask for his autograph. Okay. Don't, you know, it was that kind of thing. Right. You know, it's like, it was, but anyway, uh, I yeah, was like that Jones. on the hall of justice podcast, we've had some good voice actors, but uh, when we had uh, Kevin Conroy, who's the longtime voice of Batman from Batman, yeah. the animated series. Yeah. When you when you talk on the phone with him and you hear him, you just hear his <laughs> voice. And you're just like, what? 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 Wait, 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 what? What? Wait. Anyway. <laughs> I want a, I want an answering machine so he can voice my answer. Oh, hey, don't date yourself. Answering machine? <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. You bet.